How are we doing? Are we okay? Yeah? We awake? Good. I've got some good news uh, that I got just before the service. Manchester United equalised tonight against Chelsea. So uh, I'm happy. And if I'm extra, extra vocal, that is because my team are doing a little bit better at least. Amen to that. Um, it's just great to be a part of a church where the leadership is so empowering. And thank you, Phil and Christian. Obviously, we'll be listening to the podcast, but we want to thank you for all you're doing. And you've got such a heart for this generation as well. And we thank you for uh, letting us and empowering us to, to get to it. Uh, just to echo what's already been said, thank you for the investment you made into the Alton Castle weekend. Without you, it wouldn't have happened. And we've just seen some incredible breakthroughs. I mean, Facebook for me is normally frustrating because there's a lot of people moaning about a lot of things and a lot of bad stuff on there. But this week, people have been coming out and being vocal and, and coming out to all the friends, just telling people that they're a Christian, they follow Jesus. And that's just, for me, been a delight. And all the guys getting around each other, backing each other up, it's just been amazing to see. Now, we're in this uh, God First series, and I don't know about you, have you enjoyed the series? I've enjoyed the series, I've been implying it to my life, and um, that's what these series are about. These series aren't just to fill time, they're to be applied to our lives. And uh, if you really can catch on to this God First thing, I believe that God will do something so special in this town that it will shake the very roots of what's been happening in this place. And obviously Christian spoke on the first week about God first. He spoke about God first and we had the buckets and the sand and how some people, they, they put all the stuff into the life, the, the money, the clothes, the wealth, the job, and then God just kind of fits in wherever. It's just an awkward thing. It doesn't work. That's not the best way to do it. But he talked about actually putting God first and then letting the rest of the stuff follow. A key verse for this series is Matthew 6, 33, and it says this. Let's read it together. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. So Christian spoke about God first, and then he spoke about priorities, about are we putting God first? What is first in our lives? Then obviously Paul Stokes spoke about, um, about connecting about connecting with God and connecting with people. Just an aside is that Paul was obviously speaking about John Wayne. One thing he didn't mention was the, uh, the little clip on his belt that he has for his phone. Uh, I don't know if it's true, but here is the fastest draw in the West. Uh, I mean, I, I don't even think it gets to one ring and he's, he's, he's already picked it up. I mean, he's not here tonight, but hopefully he's on the podcast and he can hear me uh, giving him a little bit of banter, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> and then obviously... Uh, Phil spoke last week about serving, how we serve God and serve people. And tonight, I'm going to uh, progress through this series to a, a new subject, and I'm looking forward to doing that. But if you've got your Bible open to Luke 19, please. It'll be on the screen if you haven't as well. Luke 19, verse 1. It says this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was sure, he could not see over the crowd. I sympathize with the, with the guy. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, 
Here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. It's a great passage of scripture, hey? I love this passage of scripture because I I see Jesus and it reveals so much to me about Jesus. But we're going to park that there for just a second. Am I allowed to be honest with you tonight? Is that okay? I can be honest. Okay, good. Um, Before I got married, I thought I was an expert on women. (laughs) I I thought I was an expert. I thought I knew how they'd act. I thought I knew how they thought. I thought I knew how they'd respond to me. I was the expert. You might say I was delusional. You might say I was crazy. I'd just say, I'd say confident to be kind to myself. But I thought I was the expert. Now, this all changed one night in May 2011 when I got down on one knee and I asked my wife to marry me. She she obviously wasn't my wife then. I asked my my girlfriend at the time to marry me, Helen, of course, who's gone out with the kids. Uh, We went up onto a a bridge. I got down on one knee and I, I popped the question. That sounds really romantic until you find out it was the M1 motorway bridge. And then, uh, not so much, but it was raining, so, you know, I get some brownie points for that as well. It saved me, the rain, to be honest. Uh, where was I? Uh, yeah, so, engagement, the engagement changed everything. I, I think a lot of married people will agree that the engagement changes the landscape of a relationship. You see, before the biggest decision Helen and I had to make was what si- film we're going to see at the cinema. And all of a sudden, we've got to talk about houses, mortgages, what we're going to buy the house, uh, how we're going to buy the house. That's a big one as well. And uh, we had all these things, the landscape of the relationship changed for engagement. And uh, we we got married fairly soon. So a few months after getting engaged, we bought a house. A few months after buying the house, we got married. A few months after getting married, we were in this house. And uh, being a Christian guy, I'd never lived with a woman on my own before. I'd never been on holiday with a woman on my own before. So this was a new thing. Like This was a completely new thing to me. Josh, the expert on women, I quickly started to realize, living with my wife on our own, that maybe I wasn't quite as good as I thought I was. <laughs> um, one instance of this was uh, I play football a lot. I play for Arena FC. Um, we're a, the Green Army, that's all I'm going to say. I said, I said a bit more this morning. I don't want to say any more. Not right now. Um, I play for Arena FC. And th- what this means is I go out on a Saturday morning. I leave the house and uh, I go and play football with my mates. And generally, we win. And uh, ladies, <laughs> ladies, what you have to realize about a guy who's just played football on a Saturday morning and won, when I come back, I feel like Julius Caesar after a great conquest. Like, I've won a battle. Like, you know, I, I've done some stuff. I, I'm expecting to come home to Helen saying, like, how many passes did you make? How many shots did you take? Like, did you play well? Like, did did you get any yellow cards? She does ask me that one, actually. <laughs> that, that actually, yeah, that does, that does get asked. Like, honestly, sit down. I'll make you food. Put the football on. I, I'm expecting this because I'm a hero in my eyes. Anyway, I walk through the door. I drop my bags. I walk through the door. I walk into my house expecting a hero's welcome. And my wife asked me this weird question. It was crazy. I, I didn't understand it. I didn't get it. And it was this, she said, how 
does the house look? How does the house look? And I'm stood there. I think I'm a fairly sharp guy. Like, I think fairly in a conversation, I'm okay. And this one bewildered me. Like, this, this caught me off guard. I'm, I'm thinking of different responses, which is the best response to pick. And I just couldn't come to any conclusion. So I said, I love this house. This is a great house. Like, this open plan thing we've got in the living room, I love it. Like, the table, tennis table in the garage, oh, this is the house for me. I love this house. I'm crazy about this house. I went upstairs, had a shower. And my wife seemed a bit quiet. And I said, babe, like, are you okay? Is there anything wrong? She went, I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> married men will understand where I'm coming from when I say this. Fine can mean a lot of different things. <laughs> I'm fine. So anyway, we, uh, you know, we, we carried on throughout the day and we forgot about that throughout the week. The next Saturday morning comes. Again, we've won. I come home. I'm like Julius Caesar coming back from a conquest. I walk through the door expecting a hero's welcome. My wife's not downstairs. I walk up the stairs to the bathroom to take a shower and my wife asks me this question again. She says, how does the bathroom look? And I'm like, give me a break. Like, honestly, have you not seen my legs? They're muddy. Like, I've got bruises. I've got bowel scars. Woman, and you're asking me how the bathroom looks like. This is crazy. So anyway, I, I think I immediately remember the previous week. I remember how my answer did not satisfy. And the only way I know how to rectify this is by taking it to a new level. <laughs> That's the only way. I, it's like, oh, the bathroom. The bathroom is great. Like, don't get me started on the taps. Like, hot and cold water. Oh, I love it. The way the toilet flushes are, this is the bathroom for me. I, I jump in the shower, have my shower, and again, my wife doesn't seem like she's okay. Uh, you know, I get the whole fine response again, and we go through the motions for a couple of weeks, and this question keeps coming to me, and I keep battering back uh, crazy responses that don't seem to satisfy until one week I come home not expecting a hero's welcome anymore <laughs> I might add I did learn <laughs> um, and my wife asked me the question how does the house look and I, I say look babe I, I don't get this question I, I don't understand it please explain she says well Josh I clean the house on a Saturday morning I clean the whole house I, I tidy I uh, I sort the whole house out on a Saturday morning. You see, being gracious as she was, my wife just wanted me to notice what she'd done. She wanted me to notice the work that she'd been putting in for, for us, for our house, to look after us. And I hadn't noticed. You see, I quickly realized that I wasn't the expert I thought I was on women. You see, as me and my wife, as me and Helen have been engaged in this relationship, I like to think that I've learned more about her. And now I recognize when she's cleaned up, I recognize when she asks me that question on Saturday morning that I shouldn't just be super passionate about the house. <laughs> I used to find that song really weird. And you'll know what song I mean. You can sing it with me. Ilkston were rubbish, so you can try and be a bit better. It goes like this. I love you more today than yesterday. Do, 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 do. But not as much. As tomorrow. Is this not a song that people know? Like, I, 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 I enjoyed it. Look, I enjoyed the solo. I enjoyed it myself. And that song, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. I, you know, I go to an anniversary and 
20th, 30th anniversary, and people are like, oh, I love you more today than when the, the day I met you. And I didn't used to get it. I was like, oh, this is sick. I will never say that to my wife. This is disgusting. This makes no sense. Makes no sense whatsoever. But you see, as I've been married, as I've been engaged in this relationship with my wife, as I've been engaged in this marriage, I've realized that the more I know my wife, the more we know how to be with each other, the more we know how to be around each other, the more we love each other. The more I get to know her, the more I love her. Isn't that what it's like with our relationship with Jesus? Isn't this what it's like with our relationship with God? The more we engage with him, the more we spend time with him, the more we read about him in our Bibles, the more we converse with him, the more we open ourselves up to him, the more we love him. I find that to be my relationship with Jesus. The more I spend time with him, the more I open up to him, the more I love him. Tonight, I want to speak to the subject of engaging, having an engaging God. And engaging God. See, as we put God first, we make a decision to engage with him. We make a decision to put him first, but putting him first means engaging him with him on a daily basis. And as we engage with this God, as we engage with this creator of heaven and earth, we quickly realize that he is the most engaging character in the universe. Isn't this the God who in Genesis created us to engage with him this is that God the God the same God who in Genesis he just walked with Adam in the cool of the day right at the start of the Bible our God shows us how he wants to engage with us he just wants a relationship with us he just wants to know us he just wants to be in our lives this God of ours he's so engaging Let's come back to this story. Luke 19. It says says that Jesus entered Jericho and he was just passing through. He was just passing through. We'll come back to that in a minute, but he was just passing by. He wasn't going to a revival meeting. He wasn't going to preach. He, He wasn't going to a prayer meeting. He was passing through. He was just walking through. And we get introduced to this character, this guy by the name of Zacchaeus. We find out that he was a wealthy man, that he was not just a tax collector, but a chief tax collector. Now, that meant that Zacchaeus, he, he was a rich guy. If, if Zacchaeus was walking into church today, he'd have the Armani suit and the Ferrari would be parked outside. Zacchaeus had a few bob, as my granddad would say. He had the money. But you see, there was a problem because Zacchaeus, the, the money that Zacchaeus made came from the stealing from his own people. He stole from his own people to get his money. So Zacchaeus had a problem in that none of his own people, he probably even stole from his own family. He had a problem in that none of his own people probably liked him or wanted to connect with him. Actually, they probably wanted to be as far away from him as possible. This man, who seemed to have it all together, is beginning to have a few problems in our eyes. Then we find out that his employers actually probably hated him as well because he didn't quite fit in with them. So we find out that this man who had the money, had the fame, he, he, he was well known, I'm sure. 
actually was quite lonely. I see a lot of people like that today. In our, in our world here now, in Mansfield, 2014, I see a lot of people like that. People who've got the cars, they've got the money, they've got the houses. It looks like they've got it all together. But really, they're lonely. Really, they're looking for something. Really, they're hurting. And really, they're broken. See, Zacchaeus, he says there was a crowd. And this tells us something about Jesus. Jesus was that engaging that wherever he went, crowds followed. I find this amazing in itself. I just imagine him walking through this crowd, people trying to get his attention. He's obviously, his rep- rep- reputation went before him, of course. But people wanted to be around Jesus. Just a quick aside, do people want to be around you? That's a hard one sometimes because I believe people wanted to be around Jesus because he called the best out of people. He believed the best. He loved people. He, he honored people. This was the Jesus of Luke 19. And Jesus, he walks through this crowd, this crowd of people. And Zacchaeus, he's he's up this tree, he's climbed this tree because he wants to see Jesus. He's desperate to see Jesus. I'm sure he'd heard the story. He'd heard the stories of the miracles. He'd heard about how engaging this Jesus was. He'd heard about the sermons that he'd preached. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to see him, so he climbs this tree. And Jesus is just passing through this crowd. And he walks over and he keeps walking. He walks to this tree and he looks up and says, Zacchaeus, he addresses him by his name. That's amazing in itself. We have no other account of Zacchaeus and Jesus meeting in the Bible. No previous. Jesus knew his name. How engaging is that? Zacchaeus, come down. I want to come to your house. For dinner. Basically, Jesus had honored this man. He'd honored him. He placed value on him. People in the crowd look around and they're like, they're shocked because, like, does Jesus know who this guy is? Not Zacchaeus. It's, I don't think it's a stretch to believe that Zacchaeus was the worst person in this crowd. He was a thief, basically. He was a, he was a robber. He was probably like the mafia of today. This was Zacchaeus. He was the worst person in this crowd. So people are looking around saying, does Jesus know who he's dealing with here? Not Zacchaeus. Jesus, honestly, just go down the road. Go to the rabbi's house. You'll get a a nice dinner. It'll be great. Go there instead. Don't go to Zacchaeus' house. I find it intriguing that Jesus goes to the worst person in this crowd. I find it intriguing. So many times we're scared of those people who seem to be in a mess, who seem to be broken, who who maybe have addictions. We seem so scared and we run away from that. Jesus did the complete opposite. He ran to it. He walked straight to it. He carved a path through this crowd and walked straight to Zacchaeus. Then we uh, we have a bit of a gap in the story as I see it because the way... I I believe it happened is that they went to Zacchaeus' house and had dinner. I believe around the table, I believe there were people around the table because Jesus was so engaging, people wanted to be around him. I believe it was electric, the atmosphere, people talking, people laughing, people people sharing stories, Jesus uh, sharing stories. See, Jesus was a great preacher. Can we agree on that? 
He was, he was a good preacher, okay? Pro- the best preacher, I was going to say probably, but I can say this definitely, the best preacher to live, the best preacher to walk the planet. Thousands of people followed him, thousands of people listened when he had no worship band, no multimedia, just Jesus sharing some stories and preaching. But I think Jesus was even better around the table. I think he was this mix of authority, of mercy, of grace, of passion. I believe he listened to people. I believe he connected with people. I believe he engaged with people. I believe he cared about people. How many times do we get into conversations where all we're bothered about is our agenda? A lot. I don't think Jesus was like this. He cared. He looked you square in the eyes. And he wanted to know you. He wanted to know what made you tick. He wanted to know why. So they sat around this table and uh, this for me is amazing. This Jesus is sat around this table. And at, at the end of the dinner we get an account. This is just in my eyes. But at the end of the dinner I believe Zacchaeus stands up. And it says here in the Bible, it says Zacchaeus says this. Look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. I believe people in the room sucked air because like, this is Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is in love with money. Like people knew Zacchaeus because of his money. What does it say? It says he was short and he was wealthy. He was known for being small and wealthy. It was basically like the guy, Frodo Baggins, like he's small, but he's got a lot of money from being in the film. Uh, Sorry, that's just my own joke. Um, Zacchaeus was known for being wealthy and he's here, he's just declared that he's going to give his money away. Oh, something's happened to Zacchaeus. Something's happened, but we don't see any account of Jesus saying, here's a five-step program that you need to follow, Zacchaeus. We got no account of a command. We get even no account that Jesus stood up and preached. We just get a story of an engaging God. Committing to a relationship. Uh, We're quick to, uh, I think in this day and age, we're, we're quick to give charity. And I understand meeting people's needs and we have to do that. I love everything we do in this church with regards to that. I love it. But sometimes, charity is good, but engagement is better. See, this Zacchaeus, he didn't need the money. He had the money, he had the clothes, he had, he had everything he needed. But he needed an engagement. See, giving someone five pounds is okay. But it's hard to look someone in the eye and ask them how they're doing. To connect with them, to commit to a relationship. This Jesus, our our Jesus, he did this. We find out in this passage that this Jesus is less about religion and he's more about a relationship. We find out that he's less about condemnation and more about conversation. This Jesus wants to know me. I think this knocked Zacchaeus' socks off. This changed Zacchaeus' life forever. This realization that, guess what? I don't need to go through these endless rituals. I don't need to follow this five-step program. 
I just get to commit to a relationship with this God. I don't know about you, but this realization changed me forever. When I realized that I didn't need to do it on my own anymore, all I needed to do was to commit to this relationship with Jesus, to engage with God, to give him my mess, to invite him into my mess, into the darkest parts of my soul. When I did that, he changed me from the inside out. And he's not stopped since. This engaging God longs for a relationship with you. See, there's some people in here, you've been trying to do it on your own. You've been trying to do it in your own strength. You've been trying to follow a five-step program. You've been trying to say, I'll do this, I'll do this, and I won't do that, and I won't do this other thing. I believe that's unsustainable. I believe the only way to sustain change is to commit to a relationship with Jesus. That's my experience. That's what I've seen. I've seen people try and do it in their own strength. I've tried. I I could never do it. See, this engagement with God has to lead us to lost and broken people. Listen to what it says right at the end here. It's almost a throwaway comment. Jesus shows us his mission in this verse 10 of Luke 19. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus shows us his mission in this statement. You see, as we engage with this God, our engagement, our services, our prayer meetings, our worship, our our time with him, our, our reading of the Bible, it must lead us to lost people. It has to lead us to broken people. It has to lead us to hurting people. As I spoke about me and Helen, as we as we engaged in a relationship, we, we knew how to be around each other. We knew each other's desires. It's the same with Jesus. As I engage with him, I become like him. And his desires become my desires. And his heart becomes my heart. I question if you're spending hours in prayer, if you're spending hours at church services and you don't care about lost people, I question what you're doing. Because I prayer meetings, our services have to lead us to lost people. This church is a church that's less about Sunday and more about Monday. We love Sunday. We love our church, we love our church service. I love this church. I get pumped up from being here. It, without this, I, I, I wouldn't be able to function as a Christian. But what we do here has to change Monday. What we do here has to change Monday to Saturday. And we just come here to get filled up, to get fueled up, to get pumped up for the week to come. I, I see it sometimes in Christian circles that we, that we act in, in, in a way that we just put a front on on Sunday. And it, on Monday, Jesus has no room in our lives. We can't act like this anymore. Our engagement with God has to lead us to lost people. The band are just going to come up and start playing as I finish off. You see, you say, Josh, how? How do I engage with this lost, broken world? How do I engage with my workplace? How do I engage? Well, let's just look at Jesus. It said he was just passing through. He was just passing through. 
How many times have we just passed through supermarkets? How many times have we just passed through shopping centers? How many times have we just passed through our work workplaces and we just have our heads down, looking at ourselves, thinking about our problems, thinking about our issues, thinking about what, what consumes us? See, the way Jesus did it, he was passing through, but he had his head up. He was looking for, for opportunities to tell people uh, that the, they can be saved. He was looking for opportunities to engage with people. He was looking for opportunities to help people. We have to take Jesus' blueprint. When we go into our workplaces, when you go into that workplace or that college or that university tomorrow, I'd ask you to get your head up, get your head on lost people, get your head on broken people. How you do this? Look, I'm not perfect, but I believe I do this okay. I asked Jesus at the start of every day to give me opportunities to tell people about him. I believe people, I I, I know because I've done it myself, people carry this burden around, I need to tell these people about Jesus, I need to tell this many people about Jesus, and we make it a checklist, and if if we check, put a chick on the list, that's good, we've done well, if not, we condemn ourselves and judge ourselves, and we're like, oh, we've done rubbish. It was never meant to be like that. It was never meant to be burdensome. It was never meant to be a heavy weight on your shoulders that pulls you down. It was supposed to be free and liberate. And this relationship with Jesus was supposed to set you free, not bind you. See, I tell people about Jesus because I can't help it, because I just want to tell them about Jesus. And when I ask him that question, it scares me sometimes. Sure it does. Jesus, give me opportunities. You know what? Some days... I get to pray for people. Some days I get to share my whole office about Jesus. Some days, they're great days. Some days I get to pray with people in the street, whatever it may be. They're amazing days. You know what? Some days, I don't talk to anyone about Jesus. And that's okay as well. Because I've opened up. If I'm walking around with my head up, I'm ready for opportunities. I just engage with my world. I I get in my friends' lives. I get in my work colleagues' lives. I get around them. We must engage with this world we live in. We must engage with our workplaces. We must engage with our neighbours. We must engage with our streets. See, churches have lost influence over time because they've become detached from society. At Arena Church, we don't want to be like that. We want to be right in the middle of society. We want to be central to all that's going on around us sure we might not do everything that, that, that they all do but we love people, we engage with people, we help people this message this message of Jesus it's not a message that ties you down, it's not a message that, that chains you up it's a message that frees you and liberates you See, tonight, if it's your first time, and you could be a hundredth time, but you've not made a relationship with Jesus, you've not made an engagement with Jesus, you've not quite connected him, you've not quite stepped out and said, I, I want to follow Jesus. If that's you tonight, this story of Zacchaeus is very applicable to your situation. You see, you might feel like you're in a mess, you might feel like you're broken, you might feel like you're hurting. And this Jesus, this engaging God comes to you tonight and says, give me a mess. Give me a mess. Invite me into the darkest parts of your soul. He just wants to know you. 
He just wants to engage with you. He just wants to start a relationship with you. Tonight, Jesus comes to you and he says, give me a chance. He's been chasing you your entire life and you didn't even know it. Think about Psalm 23 when David says, your goodness and your mercy follows me. See, God's been stalking you. (laughs) He's been following you. And you're not in here tonight by accident. It's no accident. You're looking for something. You know you're looking for something. And tonight, Jesus would like to invite you to, to this engagement. I'd just like everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes for just a second. You're not praying. You're just giving people their place and, and their privacy. But if you want to start an engagement with this God tonight, if you say, Josh, I want to follow Jesus. I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I want to invite him into my mess. If that's you tonight, I'd just like you to lift your hand. 